guys. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be an episode that I've listened to over and over, and it's pretty hard to listen to on one hand because it's uh, my friend Jason Harrison of Kuyu, uh, who has passed away. Uh, but when he walked off the stage giving this presentation at the Mountain Academy in June in Dixon, California at the Kuyu headquarters, I told him, it was probably the best speech that I've heard him give. It was the best talk. It was the most passionate talk. And you could see how much he loved Kuyu, how much he loved sheep hunting, and how much he liked to relate to his customers. So I think it's important that I play this. And Kuyu has done a great job creating a video that you've probably seen on Kuyu's Facebook page and the video is titled, Don't Wait. And there's a period in this uh, seminar, or this speech, if you will, where Jason just lets it all loose and lets it hang out. And it's um, to listen to now, it's, um, it's hard to listen to. But I think it's important uh, that we do. And I think it's important that we realize that life is short and um, that we need to follow our passions and and uh, you know, be with the people that we love, and and uh, do the things that we love to do. So, uh, guys, let's get right into it. Uh, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Obviously, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting has been a big supporter. Jason was a big supporter of of mine, and um, I'm a huge loyal fan of Kuyu uh, now and forever. So. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. You can go to KUIU.com, check out all of the fantastic gear. And uh, Jason surrounded himself with just an unbelievable staff and uh, people. He had great people all around him. And Kuyu has been doing some amazing things. I was able to go to the Sheep Show and go to the Western Hunting Expo and see some of the new products. And uh, they're they're full steam ahead. And um, it's just nice to see that they're carrying on Jason's uh, legacy and tradition. I, I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I want to thank GoHunt.com for their sponsorship, uh, both from the Insider. And if you go to GoHunt.com forward slash J Scott, you're going to get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card. Speaking of the Gear Shop, the optics department within the Gear Shop, my friend Cody Nelson of uh, over 20 years is the optics manager. And um, he has been taking care of, in the last five, six, seven months, however long it's been since he's been at Gohan, he's been taking care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. If you have any optical needs at all, whether it be binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, um, anything to do with glassing, if you just want to call and talk to him about glassing techniques, you can reach him at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also send him an email direct at optics at gohunt.com. He is taking care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners every day. Make sure you mention me and um, you're going to get a good deal. Uh, I also want to thank phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott 19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. I also want to thank CanyonCoolers.com, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Use the J. Scott 19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. And then OnXMaps.com. Uh, guys, if you use the J. Scott 19 promo code, you're going to get a 
20% discount there at Onyx Maps. I use Onyx Maps every day uh, when I'm out in the field. I even used it down in Mexico. Now, down in Mexico, the topos weren't available, but you could use the aerials. And I was able to uh, go in Google Earth and also on the desktop portion of Onyx Maps, put all my roads, water holes, glassing points, etc. on the ranches. So when I was down there, I was easily able to navigate across the landscape on all the different ranches that I have down there. But stateside, uh, you've got the full-blown topo. You can switch back and forth between the hybrid, between the satellite and the topo, then the hybrid mode. You can use the breadcrumb feature to, to see where you've been. You can There's a line distance measure feature. There's, there's all kinds of features. You can text uh, a waypoint uh, to your buddy and say, hey, my buck's right here, or hey, come meet me right here. It's pretty sweet tool. Uh, you can also use those maps offline. Use the JScott19 promo code at onyxmaps.com. Save 20%. Guys, this is uh, this is an important uh, piece here to listen to. I think Jason has a lot of nuggets right here. Um, and I think we can all appreciate the words um, that are in this message. So thanks for your support. Let's get right to it. With the last seminar, those of you that have stayed, I really appreciate it. I know it's getting hot. And we've been doing this for a long time. I put myself last, figured if I bring these guests in and no one stays, my feelings wouldn't get as hurt. So those of you still here, thank you very much. I, we appreciate it. So I want to take the time to talk about sheep hunting. I get a lot of people that ask me, why sheep? Why not mule deer? Why not elk? Why is sheep so important to you? And for me personally, I do love elk hunting, do love mule deer hunting. I love all the different types of hunting I'm able to do. But sheep hunting is just unique and for a lot of different reasons. I, I, it's, I look at it as it's a true test. As a, for me as a hunter, it's a true test of my mind, my body, a lot of times my soul, and gear. There's a lot that you have, if you're going to go, if you really want to go sheep hunting and you really want to have a great experience and maximize that opportunity of a sheep hunt, there's a lot that goes to it, in my opinion. Um, I've been fortunate enough through this business to do a lot of sheep hunts and kind of categorize sheep hunts in two different aspects. The bighorn hunts in the, in, for Rocky Mountain bighorn or desert bighorn are a lot different than a stone sheep or a doll sheep hunt. Really what I'm going to talk about today are hunting doll sheep and stone sheep. Because of the remote locations, the distance you'll travel on the hunt, because we're so far north, the range of weather conditions you'll face and the different conditions you'll face in terrain and the amount of miles you'll cover on a 10 or a 14 day backpack sheep hunt are a lot different than bighorn hunting. All of them are great. But what I love about hunting up north, it's truly a test of... of for me as being a hunter and being a mountain hunter. There's nothing that will test yourself like a sheep hunt. Something I really like about it is the amount of preparation that I do for a sheep hunt. I, I'm, it's something I work on almost every single day in preparation for my next sheep hunt. Whether it's training, whether it's testing gear, whether it's testing food, designing and developing new products to solve problems for sheep hunting and then go testing them out in the field. Um, there's a lot of reward that comes of that. One of the things I that, that really try to do with our customers, because I, I run into guys, 
coming and going from sheep hunting. There's a lot of travel hubs when you go sheep hunting. If you're hunting in the Yukon, you're going to go through Whitehorse. If you go to Northwest Territories, the northern section of it, you're going to go through Norman Wells. So you end up meeting a lot of guys at base camp. You meet sheep hunters coming and going from hunts. And I meet so many guys coming back from their first sheep hunt saying, I just wish I knew. I wish I knew what I was really getting into. I wish I knew what gear and product I needed to bring. I, guess I wish I knew that I needed to be in better shape. And for a lot of these guys, it's, they saved their entire life. I mean, a sheep hunt, for me, is the time I was a little kid, that was my biggest dream. Like, I hope I can get to go sheep hunting someday. It's hard to do. It's expensive. It's long ways to travel. There's a lot invested that goes into a sheep hunt. And so what I love to do with our customers is share everything I've learned over, over my lifetime of backpack hunting and sheep hunting to make sure you guys get the most out of maybe it's a once-in-a-lifetime sheep hunt. That you don't be that guy going, I wish I knew. And I've, Brendan's done a great job of building our guide and outfitter program. And we've got the best guides in the world, the best sheep guides in the world in our program. And we try to talk to them. We're like, you guys, you need to do a better job of educating your clients of exactly what they need for their sheep hunt instead of this gear list that you give them that says a bring a warm jacket, a good set of boots, and some rain gear. Share with them all the different details. Share with them what the best gear that's available out there to make sure they're gonna have the best experience possible. And they're, they're terrible about doing that. When I talk to them, they're like, it's really awkward for us as an outfitter. A guy just booked a $25,000 sheep hunt. We don't feel comfortable telling them they need to go buy $2,500 worth of gear. My argument to them is they want to. They just booked a lifetime sheep hunt. They're, they want to go have the right stuff. They want to be prepared. And so we've taken it on as a company to make sure that anybody that's a Kuyu customer, that we can help them be as best prepared as possible. Those of you that are thinking about going on a sheep hunt sometime in your life, my dad who's here in the audience, he went on his first sheep hunt, I think he's in his mid-50s at Arctic Red. Brought his longbow. Ten days later, he killed a ram. It was a marathon of a hunt. He came home, told me the story with a level of excitement I've never, ever heard in my dad's voice before. And the one thing he said that I'll never forget, he said, don't wait. I wish I'd have started sheep hunting earlier because of how difficult and how challenging a sheep hunt can be, especially if you're going to go on a pure backpack style hunt. With that in mind, you know, to book at a great sheep hunting outfitter, you're not going to book a hunt for next year. In fact, you probably can't book a hunt until 2020 or 2021. It's like Lance with his bears. How far are you booked? At least two years on the good outfitters, right? So I always tell guys, if you want to do this, talk to Brendan, talk to me. We can help get set up the right hunt, the right place for the right experience, and put your deposit down. It's going to be two years, sometimes three years of the good outfitters and then start making payments along the way to make sure you go. It's worth not waiting until you, you finally feel like you're at a, a point financially that you can go. Encourage guys to, to do what you can to try to get on that sheep hunt as early as possible in life because on the, within the first three days of that hunt, you'll know whether you're a sheep hunter or not. You'll, ne you'll either never want to do it again or it's the only thing you'll ever want to do again. And if that's the case, 
you want to make sure you have enough years left in you to continue to, to, to go back on sheep hunts because it's, it's an amazing, amazing experience. I always tell guys, so if, if, you, if you've booked a sheep hunt, if it's two or three years out, start training for that sheep hunt the day you book it. You can't start soon enough. And I'm being, you know, being a, a former athlete and having a very competitive nature to my mindset, I find training as, as, as a way um, and as a motivation because of sheep hunting, you know, really motivates me to, to train, to be able to keep up with a guide in the mountains and to really maximize my opportunity on those hunts. Because, you know, we get to spend, I get to spend a lot of time with guides on the mountains. And if you talk to a guide, he'll tell you the difference between a successful client and an unsuccessful client is a client that can hike, that is well prepared with the right gear, he can use and can shoot at a reasonable level, he can get him a sheep every time. Most guys for training for a sheep hunt don't quite understand how big of a physical investment it is and how much training you need to be doing in advance of that hunt. So, you know, if you book a sheep hunt from two years from now, start training. It's, it's going to be the single largest endurance athletic event of your lifetime. And you've got to have that mindset going in. If you're, if you're prepared physically, you're going you're gonna to have more confidence when you get in the mountain. So what I do is, is it's a lot of endurance. So I do a lot of endurance type of training. This last year, I've been working with the UC Davis Human Performance Lab. See in this slide. Really to tr started with a test to try to understand how pack weight impacts human performance. We know it does. It's been proven in sports science with cycling. Guys around the Tour de France, the lighter they are, the lighter the bikes, the faster they climb. Started working with them to try to understand and put data behind pack weight and, and performance. And we're starting to, starting to gather some really interesting data. What I also learned was, and started this year, as I went in and got baseline tests at the beginning of this year and started using sports science to prepare me for this year's coming sheep hunt. And it's taught me a lot about proper training, the proper training regimen. I was overtraining. I was training too much. I wasn't training smart. So for this hunt coming up this summer, he's got, I'm doing essentially two, or two interval training sessions a week on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a big, long training event on Sunday. When you're training uh, to go on a backpack hunt, I've been in incredible trail running shape. I could run forever. Never put a pack on. I did it at Arc Red the first year and got absolutely crushed the first couple days. You have, I had muscle fatigue and muscles that I just hadn't trained because I hadn't gotten in a pack. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've, I've realized I need to do more of that. So you want to train with a pack. One of the things about pack training can be really hard on your joints. And so you want to be really smart about how often you're training a pack. When I get done with a sheep hunt, my training changes throughout the year. So when I get back, I kind of let my body rest and recover doing strength and conditioning, a little bit of cardio, and then as, the, as uh, from the fall into after the first of the year, after the first year I start increasing some cardio training, I, I'm not in a, I don't go into a pack until about May if I'm going on August sheep hunt. So pack weight is kind of hard on the joints. So if you're, whether you're in the gym, elliptical training, treadmill training, going up for a run, um, recommend staying out of the pack until you get about 90 days away from the hunt and then start specifically spending time carrying a pack with weight and you increase that load the closer you get to your hunt. 
the so on the um, for me the what I've learned from science is the interval training increases your aerobic threshold. The long day in a pack or a long hike in a pack I do on a Sunday or a Saturday is to build that aerobic base and to train your body to handle long days on the mountain. There's different things I'll do. I mean, you're, if you think about what, is, what I've learned through science, if you think about training, what we want to do is stress our body, let it recover to force a, an adaption. So, the interval training two days a week with rest in between is to increase that aerobic threshold. The long day with a pack is to build that cardiovascular base with another rest day to recover so your body can then adapt. And what I've, what I've noticed from going from five to six days a week in cardio training to three days a week now based on science is every week I'm making significant gains. This time last year going into my sheep hunt, I had plateaued. I wasn't making gains because I was doing too much and cardio too often my body wasn't able to rest and recover so there's great information out there on the internet when i get done with my protocol this year i will be putting out my workout program be able to share the results on youtube and on our website and be able to share the data of the success of, of doing this but i can tell you it's made a massive difference for me so you don't want to wait and you want a good plan around preparing for achievement physically one of, the, one of the things that no one talks about on sheep hunts is food. And I've had it both ways on, on guided hunts. I've had it where you wake up in the morning, you're given a, a bowl of frosted flakes with powdered milk for breakfast, four candy bars, and you split a dehydrated dinner with uh, with potato flakes in it, up there with, up with Kelly Hogan when he ran Arctic Red. And literally, uh, over that 10-day period, I was starving to death. It wasn't taking enough calories, wasn't taking enough nutrition, and really suffered the second half of that trip. I've also had it when you show up, and you've gone through and you've counted all your grams, you've got your pack as light as possible, and then the guy turns around and hands you your food bag for the week, and it weighs 40 pounds. So a single heaviest item you're going to put in your pack is your food. And I don't think anyone talks about it enough on a backpack hunt, especially on a sheep hunt up north. Outfitter will tell you, we got food covered. Question is, do they? And is it the right food? So you're about to go into a, a aerobic activity, the, the single hardest one you've ever done in your life, and you're relying on somebody else to pack the fuel for that event. Your body doesn't, typically it's, it's food you've never eaten, food your body hasn't been training on, and it, it can cause all sorts of issues. A high sugar, high carbohydrate diet, a lot of candy bars, a lot of trail bars, they're high in carbohydrates, high in sugar. When you live on those things day in and day out on a sheep hunt, it ends up turning your stomach, you end up losing your appetite, and you end up not wanting to eat, not taking enough calories. If you think about food, and you think about calorie expenditure on these hunts, you'll burn between 1,000 to 2,000 calories an hour climbing with a pack. The high, higher elevations, you can even do more than that. So just run the math on that over a 10 or 12 hour day, you're burning an immense amount of calories. You're forcing your body into a huge calorie deficit. And so that food that you do bring in needs to be the right food because you can't carry just an infinite amount of food. It weighs too much. So we, I always bring my own food on my sheep hunt because I think it's that critical and that important. I don't want to be underpacked. I don't want to be overpacked. And I want to make sure the food I bring I've eaten, I've tested, I've trained on it, and my body likes it. Because if it doesn't taste good, 
when you eat it at home, it's going to taste worse on the mountain. When you're exhausted and you got some bar that says, you know, you're eating it because it's really nutritional, but you want to throw up, or you just kind of have to force it down, don't bring it. Bring food that tastes good, food that you like. I've also learned over the years, instead of just bringing a diet of cliff bars and power bars, I'm better off kind of putting a menu together with more whole foods. Really focus on high fat content and calories per ounce. And I break it down in a spreadsheet every year. What I've figured out for me, everyone's going to be a little bit different, is two pounds of food is my minimum threshold per day, per hunt. So if I'm going on a five-day hunt, I'm 10 pounds of food. I'm going on a 14-day hunt, we're looking at 28 pounds of food. And I weigh every single day to make sure that I've got at least two pounds of food, and I'm not, I'm not carrying three pounds of food per bag. And then I'll look at every label that, of every item that's going to go in that food bag and make sure it's got really high calories per ounce. Almonds and nuts are 180 to 190 calories per ounce. And my goal is to have 130 to 140 calories per ounce on average of what I'm taking for food. Last year, I got the highest calories I was able to put together on a menu for two pounds, and that was 4,365 calories per day is, is what I was able to bring with two pounds of food. Is it enough? No. Obviously, I'm burning up those calories in an hour between the first and third hour of the day, but it's enough to get by. It's enough to not feel bad if you have the right food and you have the right food, uh, food content. Um, what I've learned is cheeses are great, high calories, high fat. For breakfast, I'm doing a dehydrated uh, mountain house breakfast with cheese in it. Breakfast skillet's great. The eggs stay with you a long time. And then every day, I've got a food bag packed for that day. It's in a Ziploc, and that's going to have a range of almonds, sticks of cheese. Sometimes I'll pack a bagel with peanut butter. Peanut butter is another great thing, high calories per ounce. Pro bars I like, high calories per ounce. For a bar, they're not too sweet, not too much sugar and too, too many carbohydrates. And then dinner, we're doing another Mountain House dehydrated dinner. People ask, have asked me a lot, like, why Mountain House versus other options? I've tried other options. Mountain House just always tastes the best. And I've tried some other options that have upset my stomach. I choose Mountain House. There's other options out there. So food, I think, is critical and it's important. And making sure that you know what's going to go on your body for that event. The other, a couple other items that the outfitter will tell you they have covered that I don't ever trust is they'll have a tent for you. Problem is, you don't know the tent you're getting. You don't know who used it before. You don't know whether it leaks. And they're never buying the good tents because they go through them so often. So the tent's typically very heavy. I bring my own tent because I don't like sleeping with somebody else. I enjoy hunting with my guide. I don't want to sleep with them. Whether they snore, whether they move around at night, if you get weathered in, it's just nice having your own space. I like bringing my own tent because I know it's the right tent for what I like and how I like to hunt. It doesn't leak. And I want to obviously focus on reducing weight. So as I'm setting my stuff up for a sheep hunt, I'm trying to control all the variables I can control. Because if I do that, I've learned that I have a better experience that I can control when I'm in the mountains because there's so many variables you can't. So food, um, any of the equipment the guide or outfitter would supply that I feel like I'd probably bring a better option, bring it. The other thing I, uh, I do for all my hunts, I make a food list and I also make a gear list. A lot of times, guys, I've been asked, like, you make the gear list, you don't forget something. I make the gear list, I don't put too much stuff in my pack. 
and also to make sure you don't forget something, but I think the, the, the thing that people forget is the gear list is keep you from overpacking because it's really easy to do as you're getting that thing put together. It's like, ah, it'd be nice to have that extra set of pants or you know, that, that other jacket would be kind of nice to have. I think I might need it. If you do your research and you buy the right gear and you put together the right gear list, it'll save you a ton of weight. And this can be important when you're on a you know, long, long backpack hunt for sheep. And on my gear list, what, what I've discovered over the years is I don't need, I, I don't need nearly as much stuff as, as I thought I did in the past. And every time I leave a hunt, I pull up my gear list on the flight home and I go through and I make notes of what I brought, what worked well, what I didn't use. And I've been able to whittle that gear list all the way down to when I'm leaving on a backpack hunt for sheep, 14 days, 10 days, my pack weight is under 13 pounds. And that includes my backpack, my tent, my sleeping bag, my sleeping pad, any extra clothes, that I'm gonna bring, essentially everything but food, my weapon, and if I'm gonna bring optics. And people are like, that's crazy, you can't, I mean, how do you get that light? And it's really just years and years of doing this and realizing you don't need an extra set of pants. Just bring one really good set of pants. You don't need a whole bunch extra this or a whole bunch of backup that because you just end up not using it. And so it's, you know, build a comprehensive and a great gear list. We'll help you with that. We have gear lists we'll provide you. I've got a gear list I'll send you. I'll be building a new gear list for this upcoming sheep hunt that we'll share um, on our website. If you email in, we can send it to you. But it's, it's really, really important. And focusing on, the other, the other thing is you're thinking about product is, that I do is how do you maximize the product that you have? Is there dual purpose? And if that dual purpose can save weight, I'll do that. So for a good example of that is my sleeping bag. If I'm hunting in temperatures that could drop into the, into the 20s or a bag choice that normally you'd kind of take, you know, you should bring that 15 degree sleeping bag, I'll bring the 30. But then I've got my super down jacket, I've got my super down pants with me. I'll sleep in my, in my clothes. I'll sometimes sleep in my complete layering system that temperature drops so I can take a 30 degree bag versus a 15 or a zero and save a pound to two pounds on my sleeping bag our meat bags that we sell in the zip top ones. Great for food storage. When you fill them up with meat, you're done with your hunt. So you can get rid of the food. You don't need, and the bags now have dual purpose. They make a great pillow as well. So those types of little things can, can end up adding up. And if, um, if you add up, you know, put it into a spreadsheet and really look at counting those ounces, it ends up making a significant difference on your pack. For me on a 14 day hunt, I'm, I'm, my pack is under 40 pounds or just, excuse me, just over 40 pounds. Then I, have my, then I have my weapon, I'm under 50 for 14 days, which is crazy, because that not too long ago before we started Kuyu, it was a 60 to 70 pound pack. And what we've been able to figure out with, through sports science, the study last year under pack weight and human performance, we, we tested at zero, zero weight, 40 pounds and 60 pounds at various elevations. And we were able to determine, and we're still working on improving the accuracy of the data, but in general terms, the jump from zero to 40 was 100. From 40 to 60, it doubled. From 60 to 70, it doubles again. From 70 to 80, it's five times harder than a 40 pound pack. 
So the curve just gets exponentially worse. And that's at sea level. You add in altitude, you start to realize why it's so important to count ounces. Because it will make a significant difference. And the end goal with this, this study is to be able to understand and put it down in data that it, it can show you how many calories per hour per day per event, a 10 day hunt, a 14 day hunt, you're actually going to burn by the gear choices you're making, how, that pack's gonna, how much that pack's going to weigh. The other thing I learned is whether it's on your body or in your pack, it's the same thing on performance. I didn't realize that. So every pound you can take off your body is like taking a pound out of your pack. So you're 20 pounds overweight and you're carrying a 60 pound pack, it's five times harder than somebody that's 20 pounds lighter carrying a 40 pound pack. It's another reason to train. A lot of guys ask like, hey, why don't you make stuff for big guys? I'm like, I wanna be motivation. I don't want to solve that problem for you. I want to solve that problem for yourself. And it does make a difference. And it's, it's the core competency of our brand and our business. I'm terrible with slides. I never do them. So uh, thinking about sheep hunt, I encourage everybody to do it if it's something they dream about doing. And make sure that you do everything you can to control the outcome you're going to have uh, when you're hunting in the mountains and you're, and you're prepared. And one of the things I love to do with, with Kuyu is help our customers. Yeah. Nothing pains me more than meeting a customer at a showroom or at an event like this today and hear about a bad experience they had in a sheep hunt. Either they went with the wrong outfitter, didn't have the right product, they had a terrible experience. And they, their dull sheep price just doubled because they're going to want to go again, maybe, or maybe never want to go again. One of the things we want to make sure all of our customers do is have the best experience possible. We're here as a resource for you guys. We are here to help you guys get prepared. We'll build you a custom gear list for a hunt. We'll help you decide what the right sheep hunt is. Not everybody should go to Arctic Red and do a 10-day backpack hunt. It's not for everybody. But if you go further south, you can do a helicopter hunt. Brendan talked about it. You can have a much easier time on a sheep hunt and still have a great sheep hunting experience. And making sure that you understand what you, what you signed up for, what you're getting yourself into. A lot of time, guys don't quite get that. You see the faces of these guys when the bush plane drops them off and it takes off, and they're sitting there going, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? And then as the hunt goes along, they begin to break down. Lance talked about it in his, his talk. If your pack's heavy, you don't have the right food, and you haven't trained correctly for that hunt, so many guys about day two or day three think that's about it, right, Lance? All of a sudden, they're coming up with an excuse that their knee hurts, their back hurts. They called home and had some family emergency. It's because they want to go home. And these are a lot of guys, I mean, they spent their whole life waiting for this moment, and they get there, and it's bigger than they expected. And it's, it has everything to do with preparation. If you're cold, you're wet, you're exhausted, you don't like the food you're eating, your body's reacting poorly to it, you're going to crack. I mean, it's, it's the long and the short of it is, of what happens. And if you're prepared, it lets you kind of get through those moments. I have those moments every sheep hunt. Trust me, it's just human. Last year in BC, it was a marathon of a hunt. It got incredibly hot. We couldn't find rams. The last six days, we covered an immense amount of really tough, difficult country. And there's a couple of days up there going, what does everyone else do for fun? I'm spending really, I've spent a lot of money to get punished, right? 
But what's, I think, so unique about the outcome of a sheep hunt, if you, if you are prepared and you're understanding you're going to suffer, but what happens on the back end of that is, can be life-changing. What really sucks is to give up before you get to experience what's on the other side of the end of a sheep hunt. And, you know, Brent and I have gone on a couple hunts that have just been incredibly hard, incredibly difficult. In fact, we're going back up to Bonnet Plume, a hunt that we did two years ago, and the guy that guided us won't guide us again this year because of how hard the hunt was, <laughs> which I don't think we've ever broken a guide. We've broken video over some camera, camera guys. Um, but those are the hunts we remember. I mean, I think about my two greatest sheep hunts. It's Bonnet, well, there's three. Bonnet Plume and two stone sheep hunts I went on. They were the hardest hunts, the most miserable hunts, the worst weather, the worst conditions. And those are the ones I think about. We went to Nahani Butte. It was a helicopter hunt. We were both done in two or three days. We killed beautiful rams. Great experience, amazing country. I don't think about it that much. But the only way you get to have that kind of experience and to realize that satisfaction, I think we've all been there, what that brings you through a lot of hard work it can be absolutely amazing. It can be magical. But it's making sure what we want to do is make sure you guys are as mentally, physically, and have the right gear um, for that hunt. And so lean on us. Let us help you. I encourage everybody that's thought about sheep hunting, don't wait, book it. Even if you had to book it five years out, the outfitter will take a deposit. Start paying. It's an amazing, amazing experience. It's, it's the ultimate test as, a, as I see it as a human being, as a hunter, is sheep hunting. And it may not be for you, but I think you should all try it, all experience it. It's worth the physical, mental, and financial investment to, to try sheep hunting because it's completely changed my life. And for me, building product for that, it gives me the ability to produce the best product in the world because it has to perform in those situations, in those environments, in those conditions. And if it doesn't, I get phone calls from Lance, and he's not very nice to me. And because of that, we're able to build gear with a specific purpose and a specific level of performance that's unmatched in this world. That's why I created this business model. So we had no limits on performance and the products we made and the materials we used and how we built it because it's that important when you're sheep hunting. So I'd like to wrap up what I'm going to say and just leave it up there, leave it open for questions. Um, again, thanks for everyone that came today. It's been an amazing event, huge success, great turnout. The response seems like it's been incredibly positive. So I want to say thanks for those of you that may be leaving. But I'd like to take time just to answer questions about sheep hunting, gear, product, or any other questions you guys may have. Cheese doesn't need to be refrigerated. I don't know if you know that. Most people don't. I didn't. But uh, you can get cheese sticks. You can get individual cheese in packets that's got a wrap around it. If you just take sliced cheese and put it in a Ziploc bag, it gets greasy and gross. If you put layers together, it gets smashed together. So I'll buy individual packaged single cheese, whether it's sticks or, or flat cheese. But cheddar is mostly what I bring. So the question is, what kind of electrolytes or liquid supplements do I bring? Good question. So I do bring an electrolyte replacement drink, or I bring a tablet. Um, there's great choices out there. I prefer Noon, N-U-N-N. Used it for years. I know uh, Wilderness Athlete makes a great one. Um, there's some other companies out there that make a great one. I, I drink a cup of electrolyte, electrolyte drink at night before I go to bed. It helps with cramping. Gets the electrolytes back in my system. I've noticed a difference from doing that. Good question. 
two days with the pack that aren't your long days. Yep. So the not my non long days are, are they're interval days. Okay. So interval training is as hard as you can go for a period of time with rest. So where I'm at now, I'm doing one eight one minute intervals to max out, one minute rest, and do eight of them. And how I'm doing them now, I'm doing them with a pack with 70 pounds, and I'm getting on the rolling stairmaster, the staircase that rolls. It's incredibly hard. Um, and I'm jumping on that, and I'm, I'm doing one minute as, fat, as hard as I can hike on that, and then taking a minute rest, doing intervals that way. It's, it's been really impressive. It's something I recently added to my training, doing the rolling staircase for intervals. It's, it's been awesome. Notice a big difference on my big days. So the question is, he's just hiking with a loaded pack on a trail doing a descent and, and a climb that's about 1,200 vertical feet, descent and climbing every day, or twice a week for training. And your question is, are you doing enough? More weight on the front or starting or move? I recommend starting at a lower weight and you're going to build yourself up to it. One of the things you can do by adding weight too much early, you're going to get tendinitis. And once you're injured, it's really hard to train through. And I've gone into Hunt's Hurt by, a lot of times by overtraining and overtraining going to heavy pack too soon. So I'll build up over time. And my goal before I go, I will do some training in a 90-pound pack before I leave on this trip. But I don't want to do too much of it. I just want enough to, to hit those heavy loads a lot of times, really to make that 40 or 50 pound pack feel light. And if I am packing something out, I've, I'm, I'm not doing something that I haven't done before on a heavy pack, right? But you got to be, you want to work your way into it. Um, and it's really important because you don't want to get hurt. It's easy to do. Overtraining will get you hurt. That's what I've learned through sports science. I was doing too much. Um, instead of doing something, letting, it, letting your body recover and doing it again to stress it. But yeah, as far as like hiking, purely just hiking, it, it's fine, it's great. One thing you might wanna think about is your aerobic threshold. On the hike and really push yourself during that hike for periods of time like an interval. Hike as hard as you can, stop, rest, hike as hard as you can. You wanna raise that aerobic threshold because it'll help with your endurance base. Versus just hiking with a heart rate of under 150 the whole time, you're never gonna build that aerobic threshold up. So, Baseline testing has taught me that when I go over 154 beats a minute, this is when I first was tested, it's changed now, I start to burn carbohydrates. He's taught me through science that I want to have a lower carbohydrate diet and high fat. So train in a zone that doesn't burn carbohydrates to, to get your body accustomed to using fat for fuel because it's way more efficient than carbs. Higher, highest calories per ounce is in fats but you have to get, train your body to, to be accustomed to and used to, to burning that for fuel. So that, that day, I'm, I'm keeping my heart rate under 154 to burn fat, and then I'm doing it fasted. So I wake up in the morning, I don't eat, and then I'll do, my last week I did 10 miles with a 70 pound pack. Took me three, just a little over three hours. And then I'm coming home after that, that event, and I'm not eating for as long as I can. Because what we're trying to do is force my body to adapt burning fat as fuel versus carbohydrates. It keeps you from bonking. It's much more efficient for endurance athletics. Something new for me. But I've seen a difference from doing it. Does that answer your question? And then you're, I am building up. I didn't start at three hours. I didn't start with 70. I started an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Because when you're training with no fuel, it, it's, it's hard at first. Your body hates it. It wants carbs. It wants sugars. Right? Sure. So questions about water. It's from Nevada. 
Water's important, I agree. Hydration's important. And what do I do about it on a sheep hunt? So on northern sheep hunts, water's really not an issue most of the time. In fact, last year's hunt up in BC, we were way high on the mountains. It's the first time water was kind of an issue. Um, when I hunt up north, I don't bring a filter. I've never brought a filter. The guides don't use filters. I've never got jarred in. You can get it if you're really concerned about it. Bring, it, bring something to filter water. The guide's not going to have it because we just don't do it when we're up there. Um, learned last year on my BC hunt, we were living off a high snowpack. They brought a filter for that because the sheep and the caribou land on the snow, defecate in the snow, you get giardia from it. I, would, I didn't know that. Um, and I've lived on snowpack in Nevada when I've been packed in for mule deer before. You know, I don't, didn't have an issue with it then, but up north you do. Um, we're around a lot of water typically. You're coming across creeks. I bring a three liter, our three liter platypus bladder, which is probably more than I need to, but I like lots of water. I like to drink lots of water. It makes me feel good. My body is accustomed to it. And staying hydrated is super important. But a lot of guys like Brandon, he'll bring a, a Nalgene bottle, keep it on, on his stuff at pocket on the side, fill it up when we come across creeks. And for him, that works great. A lot of the guides will do the same thing. I like to bring the three liter platypus and I'll bring an extra bladder with a top to it just in case I pop the bladder, which I've done before, or cut it. Um, and then at night, I'll use that. I'll fill that up to have a camp and to drink at night if I'm thirsty, not having to get it out of my pack. Does that answer your question? The question is, do I still just kind of focus around? I, that's the size I've always used. Um, in a really hot hunt, like hunting Nevada in August on a deer hunt, it's not enough to get me through a day. So I'll bring an extra bladder with water. About three o'clock, I'm running out of water on a hunt like that if I'm covering ground that's hot out. So I will bring extra water. Um, you know, water's heavy, so that's why a lot of guys just bring the Nalgene bottle up there and not do three full liters because you're coming across water on a regular basis. It's kind of personal preference. So the question is elevation training. Are you doing anything to simulate elevation training? Unfortunately for me, we're at 56 feet elevation. This is where I live and this is where I train. <laughs> so for me, how I get in shape for high elevation is fitness. It's what I've got. You know, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't, I don't live close enough to Tahoe where I can go up and, and train there to really force my body to adopt. It's great if you have mountains that are close or you live at high, higher elevations. But I found the better in shape I am, the better I feel at high elevations. We did a sheep hunt in New Mexico at 13,000 feet. Um, and you certainly can feel it. And I know guys have dealt with altitude sickness. I haven't had that problem, but I know it can happen. And it's not always related to fitness, but I think fitness has a, a component to it. So the question is, oh, where are the pack on the circumference? I do. So I'll take the same pack of suspension I'm going to bring. Obviously, we can switch out bags. I'll put a smaller bag on it. And then I'm buying, I don't know if we have them up there. Oh, perfect. Thanks, Blaze. So discovered these with, with, our, with Blaze in, his, in our video room. These are sandbag weights used for video booms and camera booms. And what's nice about them is you can buy them in different weights. It's got a handle to it. And it lays perfectly flat up against your pack that you can then compress to the back of your pack. They're great for training. And they have the weight on them. Easy way to add in weight. Very convenient. I've used sandbags before, but they have a tendency to always break and tear. I've used salt for like soft water salt in those bags. They always seem to tear. These last forever. And they're not that expensive. And they're just really convenient, easy, easy training tool. Yeah, there's lots of different things you can add in. That's just what I found for me because I'm doing so much of it versus other options. But you can get creative to add weight. Those just seem, those carry well versus like, I've used 
like dumbbell weight plates. They just rattle around and move. Those are really comfortable. So the question is, am I doing specific aspects of strength training or training in general that's specific to the movements and things I'm gonna be doing on my hunts? And I do do strength training. I do lift weights in between my cardio days or after my cardio events, except for my big, big Sunday training event. And I think strength training, having physical body strength, when we're hunting, we're moving packs around, moving animals around, carrying heavy loads is important versus just being a cardiovascular endurance athlete. There's more to it. So I do think strength training is helpful and important. I think, um, do I do anything that's you know, specific around a certain movement? Not necessarily. Yeah, do cross training, CrossFit type training, um, kettlebell work. I think all that stuff's great. I do do more of that than I ever have. And I do do mini circuits on my weights training. Before when I was training for football, it was about putting on mass and, and strength and power. So I just bench press, then I just incline press. Now I'm doing a little mini circuit, not resting in between, but just doing a different body part and letting the other one rest while I'm hitting the next exercise. So I might do a bench, do a bicep work uh, exercise, an ab exercise, and, and not rest in between to keep my heart rate up during the training. And then as far as you know, specific training, I train in a pack a lot, like I said. Um, I think getting outside with a pack's important, not only to get yourself in shape, it's also the joints, it's also your feet, and if you just train in a, a pack on a stair climber in a stadium, you're not getting your feet in shape, you're not getting your joints in shape for the different types of terrain that we're going to go through. So do I train in the boots I'm hunting in? I tr when I do my cardio event outside, I do. I don't wear my boots in the gym. Some guys do. But I do train in my boots. I do recommend it because it's going to break your feet in. It's going to break your, your, uh, your boot in as well. More importantly is your feet. I mean, I, met, I meet so many guys in these hunts that have, that have blistered feet that bring either the wrong boots, they didn't spend enough time in their boots, and they didn't train their feet for their boots. I mean, I'll, get, I'll have huge calluses. Sometimes I'll train, I do this thing where I train in the heat of the day on a 104 degree day. It makes your, ble your feet blister because they swell so much to build calluses so I don't ever have to worry about getting, getting blisters in the mountain. And you may spend a lot of time training in your boots and still get blisters on a sheep hunt because your feet get so wet. You're in and out of rivers a lot and you're covering so many miles. When your feet are soaked, your skin gets a lot more tender and your feet can blister even when you don't think you'd ever blister because your feet, you spent so, many, so much time in your boots. So I'll actually go out and try to blister my feet, build up the calluses in advance so I never have to worry about it. And so um, I do train in boots and the, the boot I recommend for all of our customers going on sheep hunts is the Rebel K. You know, it's a boot that I sat down with Scarpa and design. Brent and I did with their design team, development team, specifically for sheep hunting. Focus on weight, just the correct stiffness to the midsole, support. It's 100% synthetic, so it doesn't hold moisture and breathes really well. So what clothes do I wear for my layering system? There's a lot of choices we make. Some of it's personal preference for earlier season hunts where it's hotter. You know, you can wear a Tiburon pan on a northern sheep hunt. You can wear... What I typically have gone to in the past has been the Alpine pant because it's a little bit lighter weight fabric. For the Alpine pant, it was a tack pant almost 100% of the time. Later season hunts, the Chinook's a great choice. Later than that, colder weather hunts, the guide pants designed for that. And then, you know, layering system, it's, for me, I like the synthetics over merino wool. I like the faster drying fabric, performance advantages of that on a synthetic. Merino wool's 
uh, hydrophilic fiber, it's going to hold moisture a long time, stay wet a long time, but there's advantages of that for some guys too, and the and antimicrobial by nature, but for me, synthetics dry faster like a drier fast, uh, a faster drying product. And as far as my main kit, what I'm wearing, the only backup clothes I'll bring besides my main kit are an extra base layer shirt, one extra pair of socks, an extra pair of boxers. I don't bring an extra pair of pants. I don't bring an extra jacket. You just, you don't need it if you buy the right stuff. And so that's where, you know, a gear list we help put together will do that for guys. Question in the back. So are you in ketosis? So something to think about, what I've learned through science, because I asked him, you want me to be in ketosis? Is that an advantage? He said it's not. Because if you need to go anaerobic, you're not going to have the fuel to, to support that. So he recommends being above ketosis. To be in ketosis or ketogenic, it's less than 10% carbs in your diet. We'll get you there. And your body produces ketones. This liver does too for energy, and it can be great. But the problem with that is when you need to go anaerobic, if you're climbing fast to, to get to a peak or make a shot, you're not going to have the fuel to do so. Um, it's, hard to be, it's hard to come up with a diet that keeps you um, in low carbs. And it's nuts, it's cheeses, it's looking at what ingredients in a bar. is an RX bar that I eat right now that's under 10%. It's really good, all natural, clean. Pro bars are a little bit above that, but it's being creative. All right, I got time for one more, is that right? One more question. So the trajectory of Kuyu from five years ago to where we are today, and where's Kuyu going to be in the next five years? It's a great question. Standing here today, I wouldn't imagine we're where we are today, five years ago. When I came with this crazy idea, seven years ago when we launched it, I had no idea it was going to do what it did at the beginning because the business model was new, how we're going to market was new, who would buy a product from a company with a name no one can pronounce, <laughs> right? and product that never touched field and tried on. So every day is amazing to see where it's come. Uh, where I see it in five years, where we are with our supply chain, Torre, um, some of the other material manufacturers, and we're now truly recognized as the global leader of technical apparel and equipment innovation. No one in the outdoor industry is making the stuff we are, they can't afford to, retail model doesn't allow it. We're now getting people coming to us with ideas, with new materials, new designs. Our focus always and why we tagged it ultralight hunting because weight does matter and it always gives us a reason to be working towards on our product. Is if we can reduce weight, we can increase, increase performance using design materials, technologies, we're going to do it. We're going to test it. And if it works, we're going to sell it to our customers. And so I see us continue to push the bar further on technical apparel and gear. And then also other aspects, other problems we can solve for our customer base in their lives. Traveling up north, luggage with the take bags. Training and fitness, we have a training line coming out. We can build the best training products ever created at a price that no one can deliver them at. And we're going to do that with fitness. See more lifestyle, solid stuff, filling up more of our customers' closets. And then the other, the other thing you'll see is our specialty shop here in Dixon, the response and customers response to getting really high quality service at a retailer that they don't get anymore, Ex true expertise. I want to expand that. I want to bring Kuyu specialty shops to, to more customers throughout the United States and eventually throughout the world because there's so much value out there that customers can learn to make sure they're gonna have the best experience and get the right product. I wanna be able to do that for more customers. And you know what, I just, we have a pretty narrow focus on who we are and what we do, and that's gonna stay that way. 
You know, people ask for waterfowl, they ask for uh, upland, they ask for whitetails. We could do that. We do all of it. We probably do it better than what's out there. But I just want to do this. This is my love, right? I can make a massive difference for a customer on a sheep hunt. I don't know how big of a difference I can make for somebody shooting ducks in the marsh. Truly, on a, on a, a performance advantage. And that's, that's why I just want to do this. It's what I know, it's what I love. And we can make a big difference. And, um, and that's where we get satisfaction from. When a guy goes on a sheep hunt, it's like, I never felt better. It never was drier, never was warmer. Lance, Lance coming back and customers with amazing experiences that they wouldn't have had without Q. That's, that's awesome. And that's what excites me. One of the things you never have to worry about is us never wanting to push the bar of what's possible. I think it's everybody in our team and everybody at Kuyu just loves what they do. I love what I do. And I'm fascinated at how to make it better every day. I'm relentless about it. I'm super competitive. So more of what we do. It's more of it. Thanks for the question. That was a good one. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Is there anyone else that has maybe one more question, Diane, to ask? The question is, I fall in a river, my stuff's wet, am I getting my sleeping bag with my stuff wet, or am I taking my clothes off? Wet clothes will kill you. So, it's true. If it, his comment was, putting your clothes in a sleeping bag will help dry it. It's true. And you have wet clothes, I'll put in the foot of my sleeping bag, it will dry it. And you can wear it dry in a sleeping bag and sleep in it. Just depends how wet I am. The conditions, there's a lot of variables to it of whether I would or whether I wouldn't. Um, if I'm soaking wet, our stuff dries really fast. So I'd probably take it off, wring it out as dry as I could. I may put it back on and jump my sleeping bag depending on how cold it is. I may shove it in the bottom of my sleeping bag and dry it that way. I guess a lot of it just depends on the situation, how cold it's going to get that night. My goal is not to fall in the river. <laughs> but it does happen. I've done it. Yeah. Um, you know, and... It's why we waterproof the down feathers. It's for those types of instances and those types of things you don't expect. If something does get wet, it does dry fast. That's why we don't buy elastic or fabrics with elastic. They don't dry fast. So it's important. But good question. All right. Let's get out of the heat. Thanks, you guys, for coming. <laughs> Wonderful to have you. We'll be around for more questions. I'm honored. Thank you.